the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Our symbol today is oranges. And, and we're going to use this again as a symbol. I like oranges, but it's not really about oranges. It's about what they represent. And what they're representing are some questions, and these are them. First one is this. How do we live as individual parts of a whole? How do we live this full life the way God asks us to do it? But like Caleb just said, in community, where there's an individual thing between us and God, of course. There has to be, but there's also this community thing. We've been exploring that this whole time. We're going to wrap that up today, but we're going to build on it in the weeks to come. Uh, the second big question is, how do we utilize our differences? How do we stay functioning as one, but really embrace the different ways that God has made us and guided each one of us and empowered us? And how do we collectively, as well as individually, how do we live boldly and distinctly and most important, effectively in this world? How do we accomplish God's goals for us in this world? So a couple weeks ago, I asked you to say to each other, be a good banana. Some of you, I hope, remember what that actually meant. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I said, say, be a real good strawberry. Today, I'm going to ask you, I'm not going to even ask you to say it out loud, but it says, don't be an orange. And I want to make sure you understand that, okay? First of all, I love oranges. I love orange juice. I love the taste. Uh, uh, an exception to what I'm about to say is orange cream sickles and orange Julius drinks. Anybody like those? They mix well. I really like those. But in general, Whereas like apples blend with everything. If you look on the ingredients of almost any fruit juice, it's got some apple juice added in there to make it a little sweeter. You know what I'm saying? Oranges aren't really known for that. You don't really mix orange juice with other things that much. And the other thing that oranges um, do is they, all the little pieces look the same. They're made of a lot of different pieces, individual little sections, but they all look the same. And one of the mistakes that we as Christians often make is we try to make each other look and sound and talk and act and worship and pray and sing and everything else exactly like we do. And that's really not God's design. It looks more like a fruit salad, which is where we've been going all along. So when I say don't be an orange, I'm not talking about all the goodness of oranges. I'm saying we need to be able to blend well. We need to be able to embrace the bigger picture vision that God has for us. An example we've used over and over in the last several weeks is an amazing group of men called the Inklings. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and um, C.S. Lewis were by far the most famous of these, but even them never would have become what they became or produced what they produced without being part of this small group of men who met every single week, often twice a week, absolutely relentlessly once a week to help each other get as good as they could possibly get. They bounced their ideas off of each other. They read the first drafts to each other. They gave real input and they worked together and they accomplished amazing great things as a group each one of them and then of course Lewis and Tolkien more than the rest as far as the rest of the public knew but here's the sad beginning of the end to the inklings one of the guys who was integral to their system and made a lot of wonderful good contributions he just got really sick of hearing about the Lord of the Rings and he started complaining 
And it got to the point where he would literally lay on the floor in this little pub that they were at and roll around and go, no more elves. <laughs> and it got to a point where finally people just stopped bringing their ideas. Tolkien certainly was the first one. He's not going to read them from that work anymore. And other people are like, eh, I don't know if I want to bring mine. And it kind of disintegrated it. Don't be an orange. Does that make sense? Don't expect everybody to love every single thing that you love and hate every single thing that you hate. You've got something to learn from them. They have something to learn from you. We all collectively and individually have stuff to learn from Jesus. Even God himself does everything as a group. The very first line of scripture, the Genesis account, and the very first part of the story of Jesus, according to John, make this so clear, especially if you mash them up. If you go back to Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God starts speaking all this stuff into existence. And you smash that up with John's and you see very clearly there's God the Father, there's God the Son, also known as the Word of God, and God the Spirit. John says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning and all things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of mankind. The light is shown in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You see this over and over. You see it in key moments in scripture, including the baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. By the way, this is a good time for me to just remind you, especially if you're newer here, have some questions about why we make such a big uh, deal about baptism. Um, The bottom line is simply this. That's what we see in the scriptures. Jesus, of all people, never sinned. And so he didn't really need his sins forgiven, but he still got baptized. He, he, He did this... And this was, for whatever reason, by God's design, this was the moment that God chose to publicly declare that God the Father and God the Spirit were teamed up with God the Son. He was already Jesus. He'd been here 30 years already. Are you with me? But this was the moment that he chose to do that. And as you see the church form in Acts chapter 2 and beyond, this is the only way you ever see anybody come to Christ. They repent. They're baptized and, and, and they celebrate what it represents that we are being buried with Christ and raised into a new life. Our sins are being washed away. The Holy Spirit of God is coming to live inside of us. We do not believe that there's magic in those waters. We don't believe that if you dunk somebody, that's a ticket to heaven and that's all there is to it. What we believe is this is how you see this in the Bible. And so we try our best to follow that pattern, pure and simple. If you have more questions, I'd love to walk you through that. 
But here it is again, back to where we are. Again, this is the moment where as Jesus starts his ministry, God and the Spirit, God the Father and God the Spirit team up very tangibly with God the Son, very intentionally. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Especially if you're new here as well. You're so welcome, but so are all the rest of you. Everybody comes relentlessly. Those of you who come sometimes, we love all of you. But I'd like to, you know, one more time, this is what our logo means as well. Our church represents this idea. It's a bird because so many times in scriptures, we see that when people trust and obey, God guides and provides. And for some reason, there's a bird in the story often. And we just think that's pretty cool. But it's mostly about this moment the spirit of God appearing as a dove. And if you see in the middle, there's that Trinity symbol. And that represents not only God, the father, God, the son, God, the spirit, but God and you and me, God and the church and the world that we're trying to lead to him. That's what that means. Just so you know. All right, let's keep going. The spirit of God is actually the fuel that runs everything. And if we're not using not only the gifts that he gives us, but also producing the fruit that he puts in us, we're missing almost everything. Literally, Jesus is teaching we're about how to interact with people much more than about how to get to heaven or any other of the things that we sometimes focus on even more. Jesus taught us how to live together. But primarily when he left, he said this, when I go, I will send a comforter, an advocate. He called him different names, but he said, I'm going to send someone that's going to be present with all of you at the same time and all of you individually and all of you collectively. And it's going to be even better. They had no idea what that meant. Here's some Bible trivia for you. The first time in the Bible that you see the Holy Spirit show up is Genesis 1-1, which I just quoted to you a second ago. The next time you see anybody say anything about the Spirit of God doing something, it's actually Pharaoh. And he's saying it about Joseph. And he says, where else can we find someone as wise as this man and in whom is the Spirit of God? I think that's interesting that someone who's not even a believer could sense that God's spirit was at work in him. The next time you see it, it's God's spirit empowering two artists, Bezalel and Aholiab, the guys that were in charge of teams and teams of artists who created the tabernacle. And specifically says that the spirit of God entered them and empowered them to do that. And all these scriptures I'm referencing, by the way, are in your study guide. And I hope you take that back. You read through it. You pray through it yourself alone in groups. However, God can do that. Marinate in these scriptures. And then one more time, we see Joel chapter 2 and Acts 2. In Acts 2, Peter is quoting Joel 2. And almost at the very end of the Old Testament, Joel has this prophecy that when the Messiah comes that there's going to be singing and dancing in the streets. And he said, your sons and daughters will be prophesying. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will have visions. He goes through this whole thing about everybody's going to have the spirit. Everybody who comes to God is going to have a chance to be empowered by the spirit of God. And on 
Pentecost, the first Pentecost, when Peter is talking, he quotes that passage and he says, that's what you're seeing here right now, brothers and sisters. This is happening. And this is the hope. I I want you to know, if you are a believer in Christ, if you have been baptized, you are living your life as a follower of Jesus, you are teaching others to obey, you're following the whole great commission, in other words, you're leading others to Christ, the baptism, the teaching, the whole thing, guaranteed by scripture, you have the spirit of God in you. It's called the gift of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. And he's always going to give each of us gifts, plural, to use to serve each other and to serve the world. So what we're going to focus on as we wrap this thing up today is what are those gifts and how do we use those? And I'm hoping that each one of you will find at least one that you can go, at least that one's me. So if you're filling in blanks, if you're one of those people that likes to do that, I would like you to fill in the first blank with this word, utilize. Utilize your spiritual gifts. And you may think, well, maybe I don't have one. Yeah, you do. You really do. Maybe you've never tried it. Have you ever tried anything? Anybody that you tried it for the first time and realized you had a knack for it? You didn't know you had a knack for it, but then you tried it and you were like, whoa, this is fun. I I can do this. Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. So you know what that feels. Maybe you've never done something and felt the spirit take it to a supernatural level. Try some of these things. If you've never tried any of them, guaranteed some of them he's going to empower you to do. Here's a couple of things you can keep in mind as well. Nobody has all of them. Nobody. A few only have one or two. Many of us have several of them. It's the Holy Spirit's job and his, he alone that gets to choose who gets them. But here's the other thing to keep in mind as we go through this today. Every single one of those gifts is there to be used. When the spirit was there hovering over the waters, he was ready to bring order out of that darkness and chaos with God the Father and God the Son. When he empowered Joseph, he was empowering him to save Egypt and to interpret dreams and all the things he was doing. He was helping him do something. When he empowered Bezalel and Ohaliab, he was empowering them to build the tabernacle and make it possible for all the other things that would happen there and all of that, how it all pointed to Jesus. When he prophesied through prophets, when he spoke, when he did all the things that he did, it's always to do something. He empowers you to do something. So you need to utilize your gifts. Are we tracking so far? Are we good? All right, here we go. We're going to go a little faster and read a lot more scripture. Just needed to lay all of that foundation. So this is a review for many of you, but one more time. Every time you see a timeless story, even outside of the church, you're going to see this idea of teamwork and a diverse team that's where they all have different powers. And often the people who are most powerful are not the leader of the team. It's just the leader has leadership gifts. You see this in the fellowship of the ring for sure. Tolkien did that on purpose with help from his other friends in the Inklings. But you see it in the legends of King Arthur. You see it in the modern legends, comic books and movies of the Marvel Avengers you even see it in the Lone Ranger of all places. The Lone Ranger would be no, he wouldn't have even survived without Tonto. And Tonto's the real brains of that operation. He's the Lone 
ranger, but he's even got a team. Are you with me on this? Do you see how this works? We, we, we can't help ourselves. We know that we're supposed to work together. We know deep down inside, even if we're not trying to follow God's way, we know that we need each other and that other people have strengths and weaknesses that we don't have, that we've got to work together. And Paul incorporates all of that in his teaching about the gifts of the Spirit. There's three primary places. They're all in your notes, but I'll say them out loud, especially if anybody's just watching or listening to this today. Um, Romans 12 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. Those are the three primary places you're going to see lists of all of the spiritual gifts. Let me say it one more time. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. Let me read you some from Romans 12. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts, or that also means encourage or encourages, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes and generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. To see the pattern, every single gift is there to be used. Utilize your spiritual gifts. First uh, Corinthians 12, here's the list in that one. They harmonize very, very well. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. That's another thing to keep in mind. If somebody says they're doing something by the spirit of God and it's causing division, if, if they're saying it's the spirit of God and it's a revelation that somehow contradicts something the Bible clearly says, can that possibly be the Holy Spirit? No. The spirit is always going to work in harmony with the father and with the son, with the father and with the word of God. Not only the, the written word that we have, but Jesus Christ himself. And if ever we see what's attributed to the Holy Spirit actually not looking, it's not producing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's probably not the Spirit. It's that simple. So he sets that up and then he says, okay, here's, here's, here's the list. Here's, here's how this works. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing 
by the one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions each one individually as he wills. Another huge mistake we sometimes make is not only to try to make everybody have the same stuff and look exactly the same and act the same and be the same. Sometimes we get jealous. Sometimes we say, I wish I had that gift instead. I wish I was the one who could do that thing. I wish I was the one who, why did I get this one? Why did I get two and that person got three or four or five? That's not how it works. We're designed by God and empowered by the Holy Spirit to use what he gives us. And we all collectively need each other. We all need all of them. It really doesn't matter who has more and who has less or which ones. It does matter. It matters because it's the spirit choosing it that matters. It shouldn't matter to us. That's what I'm trying to say. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make them better people because they have more or different gifts. He gets to choose. But all the gifts have to be used. A great example from the Inklings that I love was a guy named Owen Barfield. You may, may not have ever even heard of him, but he was an integral part of that Close personal friends with C.S. Lewis from their college days on. In fact, if you've ever read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, anybody ever read that one? Great book. At the beginning, which I'm a nerd, I read all the pages, so there it is, sorry. But if you look at the beginning, it says, To Lucy Barfield, which was Owen Barfield's daughter who inspired the character Lucy in the story. Anyway, Owen Barfield never got as famous as Tolkien or C.S. Lewis, but he was fine with that. In fact, he wrote a personal poem. It wasn't even published until recently in that book, Bandersnatch, as far as I know. But he actually wrote this little poem to Lewis, who lived at Magdalen College, by the way. He says this. My public, though select and small, is crammed with taste and knowledge. It's somewhat stout and fairly tall and lives at Magdalen College. In other words... It's okay that I've got one fan. I'm still part of this team. And that's the dream. We've got to harmonize with each other. We've got to harmonize with the rest of the body. Would you say that out loud with me? Harmonize with the rest of the body. See, there's nothing like working together toward a common goal to unite people. That naturally creates the kind of intimacy that the rest of the world longs for. When when people group around anything, they're hoping, they're dreaming deep down inside for the kind of intimacy that only God through his spirit can create. You talk about a diverse and yet unified group of people, unified around a common cause, Jesus and his disciples. We talked about this several times over the last several weeks, so I just mentioned it this morning, but they were so different, and yet they united just because of Jesus, and just because of his spirit, and just because of the cause that he gave them to live out. And that's us, brothers and sisters, that's us today. That's who we've got to be.
So in our last few moments here together, I'd like to go through uh, these lists. And and I'd love for you this morning, as I briefly describe, we'll come back to these many times again in the weeks and months and years to come. But we will, this morning as I walk through these, here's what I'd love for you to do. If any of this sounds like you, would you just kind of write it down? Like this might be me. Maybe even put a question mark by it. Write down the one word and maybe a question mark and press into that. Pray about it. Talk to some people who know you well. Do you think this might be my gift? And if any of these, you don't have to list every single one, but if any of these you go, oh, I know this person in my small group, this person in my family, this friend of mine, I know absolutely that's them. Maybe you could encourage them with that. Okay? So we're going to move kind of quickly, but listen carefully. There's a gift of prophecy. And that simply means that you speak on behalf of God. Sometimes it's like what I'm doing here where I'm taking a whole bunch of truth and praying and saying, God, guide it and trying my best to do that. And I really believe it is God speaking through me. Sometimes it's more like a very direct word. God just tells you, go tell this person this. But if God speaks through you somehow, and you can tell it's God, what you say actually comes true. It rings true when people, it helps them in their life. You might have the gift of prophecy. I don't mean to sound like Jeff Foxworthy here. You might have the gift of prophecy. But there you go. If you love serving, and let me just say this one time. Every one of these in one way or another is all of us. We're all called to do all of these in one way or another. We all speak on behalf of God. We all serve. We all have faith. In one way or another, somehow or another, these things are there. We're talking about the Holy Spirit taking it up many notches, taking it to a supernatural level. This is the part you play. Does this make sense? Okay. So if you're someone who loves to serve, that's what gets you up in the morning. Who can I serve today? We all need to serve. But if this is who you are and you've got some skills that you just find yourself using all the time because people around you need it, that's your gift. Same with teaching. I think you know what teaching is. Same with encouragement. There are people that I know that encourage me and there are people that just kind of go... But that means more. You know why? They've got the gift of encouragement. You with me? That the spirit empowers it. Uh, generosity, same thing. Some people, they, they're just gifted at making money and they love to spend it on God's kingdom. Some of us don't have either one of those gifts and that's okay. We still got to be generous. But some of you, that's your gift. That's who God made you to be. You've got some abilities and resources and joy in doing that. Leadership. We all lead somehow, but leadership is where you're always finding yourself people following you. For whatever reason, good or bad, they're following you. So you got to lead them well. Showing mercy to people. Some people, that's, they're always first in line when that needs to happen. You got wisdom. Wisdom is making the best possible choice. It's not just knowing cool things or being able to recite a bunch of Proverbs. It's knowing in the moment what the right thing, the best thing to do. It's deeper than right and wrong. It's the best possible, wisest possible thing. Knowledge is knowing the truth, knowing all the stuff God wants us to know. And sometimes God reveals special knowledge to people with that gift. Faith is, you all know somebody who, no matter what questions you're asking, what turmoil you're going through, there's somebody in your life 
that just never falters. They go, God's got this. Well, that's a supernatural gift called faith. There's healing. It means they pray and you actually get healed. There's miracles. Something happens that could not be explained unless God did it. There is, uh, there is prophecy again. There's distinguishing between spirits. That's where, like I said, sometimes people claim to do something in the name of the spirit, but there's people that are there going, no, 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 that's not the spirit. They know. And there's other times when everybody goes, I don't know if this is really the Holy Spirit. And they go, no, trust me. This is God. This is a God thing. Okay? There are people who have that gift. And then there are people who uh, have tongues and interpretation and all of these. There's five gifts mentioned in Ephesians, and they're all leadership gifts. This is the last part of it. So if you're tired of me listing stuff, this is the end. But please don't lose me. And please, if any of these sound like you, we need more leaders. Okay? There's the apostles, pastors, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Different churches and traditions call this so many different things, fivefold this and all kinds of stuff. But we, we don't care what you call it. We just read it out of the Bible. But a lot of times, just to help us remember it, we call these the apest gifts because the first letter spells out apest. And it helps us remember the list. You can call it whatever you want. But here's what they mean. Apostles are people that are sent out. They're sent out. They're good at going out in the community and meeting new people when they show up here. Pastors are people who shepherd people. They comfort people. They they guide people. Evangelists are people that really love to share the truth about God with people who've never heard it before. And they're good at it. People listen when they do so. Shepherds is a lot like pastors, but they're really good at the comforting and providing and really walking other people through life. And teachers are people that don't just teach. Somehow it sticks when they teach. It, it, it matters. It, it, you, you see changes in your life. Straight out of Ephesians, this is, this is what he says about it. I want you to hear this because, again... If you say, oh, I got the leadership gifts, I'm a real Christian. I'm a better Christian. That's not how this works. Here's how this works. Paul tells us. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. In other words, our job is to empower everybody for the building up of the body of Christ until we will all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature, the fullness of Christ, that so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's the dream. So one last time, let's go through the salad stuff, the fruit salad. You ready? This is how this all works. I hope this is a review for most of you. It's the first time hearing it. It's just truth. As we try to live this dream of Jesus is out, 
When we first join the team, all of us are prickly, some more than others. It's part of his dream that we get rid of all that stuff. And it's part of his dream that all of us get rid of something. If you hear us ever talking about, hey, this thing that you're doing is a sin, we're not condemning you. We're saying you and all the rest of us have to get rid of the stuff that doesn't look like Jesus. We're all designed to work and live and serve together. When we stay connected to Christ, the vine, we can't help but be connected to each other. The rest of the grapes also on the vine. And these little branches, puny as they are, they're there to produce fruit. That's what we're supposed to do. Like a banana, we've got to unpeel We've got to get rid of all the stuff that we put around ourselves that we try to protect ourselves by and then work together to give the world a hand. Still nobody gets it. That's okay. I, I, it's all right. I, I, I give up on that joke. Um, here's a couple more. Some of us are really, really unique and seem really weird to everybody else, but everybody has a spot. Every single one of the gifts, every single one of the passions, every single one of the things that God has made you into, we need you. There's going to be some stuff you probably need to get rid of. That's all of us. But there's a lot you have. We need every single way. We've got to embrace that uniqueness. We've got to be able to do that. I'm just going to go ahead and get this whole bowl out here for the end. The blueberries reminded us that We've got to spread the flavor of Jesus. Just like blueberry muffins is a totally different thing than just a muffin. We've got to spread the flavor of Jesus to the world. And strawberries remind us that no matter how much you might like artificial flavoring, the real thing is the real thing. There's no substitute. And the best strawberries are the ones that are nurtured carefully by a gardener who knows what they're doing. And if you want to really do good, you've got to submit yourself to the goodness, the kindness and the goodness of Jesus. You've got to be part of a smaller group of people that are helping to keep you accountable and encourage you. You've got to be part of Jesus individually and together. And little by little, he's going to make you into a real good strawberry. And here's where we wrap up today. I said, don't be an orange. But as I was researching for this several months ago, I kept looking at a lot of recipes for fruit salad. And almost none of them had pieces of orange in them. A couple of them did. A couple of them did, but not many. Because oranges just aren't known for blending. But you know what almost all of the gourmet ones had? Orange juice. So instead of trying to make everybody else look like you, You got to pour yourself out. I don't know what choice God is calling you to make today. I don't know what, what if this might have inspired you or convicted you or anything that he's doing in your heart. But every single one of our services here, we end with a time where you can make a choice publicly or privately. You can ask for prayer. You can come up here and people will always come and pray with you. If you want to hear, you can come back there and keep it to yourself off camera. You you can come up here and make a big public decision, give your life to Christ, whatever 
I, I just encourage you to make whatever he's asking you to make, make that decision right now. Don't hesitate. Don't wait anymore. Because we need all of you. We need the entire fruit salad.